welcome, welcome, welcome back in to another edition, episode 12 of the Bad B Podcast. This is your main man, JC, as always, with my co-host, Kip. How are we doing today, sir? I'm good. Excited to talk to Barstool JJ, talk about the game uh, tonight that we just watched, the championship game, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. And as always, I would like to remind our listeners, this podcast is brought to you by Travelocity. You can visit Travelocity on Twitter or Travelocity.com where you can book vacation packages, hotels, cars, and even flights. And for our intern Masato, if he has any luck on the Bumble, couples, getaways, Travelocity.com. Speaking of getaways, what has been a great tournament was almost ruined tonight, and I wanted to get away from the bad officiating. What were your thoughts on that game? Yeah, it was a a long second half there. So many fouls. It changed the the game was so choppy and it was hard to watch. It was it was a tough game to have a national championship in like that, especially when you wanted Gonzaga like I did. Yeah, I wanted Gonzaga too. I mean, Few's been there for 30 years. He's never gone anywhere else. I definitely was rooting for Gonzaga there. The thing was, the rest completely, they let him play the first half. In the second half, they completely came back and changed how they were officiating the game, and it's almost impossible for the players to adjust to that. I will say, and I don't want to give North Carolina credit, but I will, when they went down two points with a minute 30 left, instead of settling for jump shots, they got Justin Jackson inside for an and-one, And then when they were up one with the ball, they got Kennedy Meeks down low posted up. So they did finally execute, in spite of Roy Williams, what they needed to do to win at the end of the game. And frankly, probably the better team did win. I mean, they shot 14% on three-pointers, and they shot 57% on free throws, and North Carolina still ended up winning. Yeah, did anyone other than um, the point guard Barry make a three the entire game? Maybe at the very end they did, but for a while there, he was the only one that had three. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. They were, they were four of 27 shooting threes. I don't, Jackson took a ton. I don't know if he actually hit one, but it was, it was ugly. It was ugly. And they got out rebounded, which hardly ever happens in North Carolina. They're number one in the nation rebounding and they still found a way to win. So even though we were both on the Zags and, our boy Karnowski, I'll give him credit where credit's due, and they finally got it. I just don't want to see any videos of Roy dancing in the locker room. Yeah, it's always a bad beat when Roy Williams is dancing around the TV celebrating. Yeah, he's just the worst. And let's get into our bad beat segment of the week. And for those of you who are first-time or new listeners, uh, we pick a bad beat that happen each week, usually from our listeners, and kind of just discuss and complain about it together because we're a community here. And on this show, I never thought we would talk about women's golf, the LPGA, but here we are. Kip, I don't really understand this, exactly all what happened. Can you give myself and our listeners some context to the whole Lexi Thompson incident? Yeah, apparently, 
On Saturday, she had an issue marking the ball and marked it one inch, like on the wrong side of her marker. Plays on Sunday, and she's on, I believe, the 13th hole, and she gets informed that a viewer emailed in the rules committee and, like, saw it on TV, and she got two-stroke penalty for the, like, initial infraction, two more strokes for a wrong scorecard, ends up going into a playoff and losing the tournament because some Joe on TV or watching TV decided to send in an email. Hold on. I have so many questions about this. First of all, why is it a rule in golf that anybody from their couch can just email in and contest or question something that's going on in a sanctioned golf event. That's absurd. So this actually happened to Dustin Johnson a couple of years ago as well. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but golf is a different, different game. I mean, I think we'd all like to write into the NCAA and ask about a few calls today. Right. So it'd be interesting if oh, we were allowed to do that. Yeah, that would be a train wreck for other sports if we could do that, <laughs> an absolute train wreck. Let, let me ask you this. Do we know who this loser is? I'm sure they're anonymous because they're a POS, but any yeah. idea, any leads? No leads. I That's think outrageous. How, how bad do you have to feel about your life to actually – Email in. This is my only other question about this. Now, is this maybe like an advanced angle for someone with action on whoever won the event and was in second place at the time? I mean, is this an advanced gambling move, possibly? That'd be awesome if it was. I'd be I'd be okay with the move if it was. Yeah, I'd say if that's the reason that somebody emailed in, <laughs> All the respect they just took away from them, they get it back. Everything. And then some. Oh, that'd be the most boss move ever, but I don't think that was the case. I'm pretty sure it was like, I don't know. It probably was the caddy of the girl in second place. Also a boss move if it was the caddy. (laughs) I'm not hating on him. I'm hating on the rules committee who allows this to happen. I want to know more. I'm sure with as many reports and social media and everything out there now, we're going to find out more. I can't wait to hear more on this. But we're going to drop it for now. I want to ask you about the big event coming up, the Masters. Give us a little preview. Yeah, I'm excited for the Masters. Um, A lot of people will do different gambling pools where you pick about six guys. So I just chose six guys that I like. Uh, throughout the one through 50 that I'll be picking for mine with their odds and a little bit of a preview. And just so our listeners know, my man Kip has won a couple of these master pools in the past. So listen intently to what he's about to say. Hit us with them. (laughs) I don't know about all that, but I would take Jordan Spieth to win at seven to one. And then as far as other players, if you were picking six guys, I would take John Rahm, Brent Snedeker, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Zach Johnson, Charlie Hoffman. 
if you're doing a pool okay. like the standard pools in the DFS leagues and all that stuff. I like it. And let me ask you this, because I think people have the misconception, and I know you'll want to speak on this, because Spieth kind of choked it away last year. Um, is he mentally over that hurdle? I know you have some thoughts on that. Look, I love Jordan Spieth. He's He's been mentally strong his whole life. He had one incident, but the last three years, he's finished tied for second or won the tournament. And, you know, 2014, he got second, won it in 15, second last year. He's a machine, man. I love his game for this course. I think he's perfectly set up to win it. Uh, Johnson is a little more hit or miss, but he's been hitting on all cylinders lately, but that's his biggest competition. Yeah, and just so self-disclosure here, so our listeners know, I'm not a big golf guy. So I go basically off of if they're married, how hot their wives are. So Dustin Johnson's my guy for the Masters for this one. Shout out to Paulina Gretzky. And hopefully he gives us a run, keeps Kip and I both happy. Now before we get to JJ and opening day and week of baseball, a staple in the program every week is our Mike Gundy rant of the week. Sports or non-sports related. Kip's got a great one for us this week. We're going to give Mike the floor and then let Kip take off. Where are we at in society today? Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I'm not, I'm not a kid! So, for those of you who haven't listened, I occasionally will go on the Bumble. And it's been a rather productive venture. I said that I would never do it till I was 30. I'm 29. I caved a little early, but there's a couple uh, situations I've run into that I've told Justin about where these girls are literally putting high school, not high school, I would say college pictures, like very much more attractive. We're talking 20 pounds, 30 pounds less than what they are when they show up. These False advertising. It's the worst. It's literally false advertising. And so I've had two dates, and this last one was this week. And I'm at the bar waiting for uh, waiting for her to come, and I get kind of on, on one side. I see a girl come over, and I'm thinking that there's no way that's her. And she's like, hey, Kip. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So sure enough, I spent the next three hours talking to a girl that didn't look anything like her pictures. $150 later at this restaurant. And I just got to say, like, at some point, you got to let people know what you look like. I've got a beard. And if I put out pictures that were completely, you know, no beard, baby face Kip, and then I show up with a beard, that's an issue. What if you don't like beards? You know, if I was in college, I'd be 20 pounds lighter as well, but I don't have those pictures on the Bumble. So for the future Bumble people, put pictures that look like yourself, please. And how are they not even ashamed about this? Like, honey, have some class. If you're going to show up carrying an extra 20 or 30 from in your picture, at least throw the homeboy a warning. Yes, please. All right. With that being said, great rant by Kip. We're going to switch off of the fat chicks and go to something that will make everybody happy, our American pastime, baseball, 
Today on the Bad Beat Podcast, we're honored to welcome in the man, JJ. You can find him on Twitter at BarstoolJJ, on BarstoolSports.com, contributing in the baseball section, blogs. He also breaks it down weekly on several podcasts, including the Barstool Baseball Podcast and my favorite, the No Quitters Podcast. Of course, you can also find him at Yes Network, covering the Yankees. Thanks for joining the Bad Beat Podcast. What's up, JJ? Not too much. Just a, a rainy Friday in New York City. This is my first question. I have to ask you this. You had no booze, no drugs, no sugar, no dairy, no carbs for a month. How does a man that does a great episode called Stadium Eats, which is just a beautiful, gluttonous experience of overindulging at ballparks, go completely the other way on us and just shut it, shut all the fun down for a month. Um, it, it, it was tough. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm 32. I'm married with no kids. I live in Manhattan. Me and my wife both do well. So, you know, we're out a lot. Um, alcohol is a big part of that. I love smoking weed because weed's awesome. Uh, but with that, I also love milkshakes, cheeseburgers, uh, you know, maybe eating a rail of Oreos, all the things that come from munchies. So, so literally at, everything. Uh, yeah, it's like it's the best. It's the best. There's nothing bigger than like, especially like today's a rainy Friday. I'd love nothing more than to just like smoke a blunt, order a bunch of takeout and just have like a Chinese food party. But um, I'm, a, I'm a bigger guy uh, at my heaviest. So I, I went to uh, college to play baseball. I, I threw on my shoulder because I put, couldn't put on weight. I couldn't get over 170 pounds. And then uh, I stopped uh, working out. And I, you know, I was in a fraternity. There was a lot of free booze. And over time, I put on a little bit of weight. And then probably around like 25, 26, uh, I just started smoking weed like every day. And I was just eating nonstop. And I got big. I got up to like a hundred, uh, like two ninety five, and I lost a bunch of weight for my wedding. Then I started to gain it back. So I just said, "Listen, if I end up doing reviewing stadium food during the season, I'm in a couple weddings this year. I really need to give myself a jump start. I can't, you know, for my own wedding a few years ago, I was able to say, "All right, May. I've now got three months." Time to you know shape up and do this, but if it's not my wedding, I'm probably not going to be as strict. So <laughs> I just said, let me do, let me start off. I'm going to cut out alcohol, cut out weed, um, and then I did whole thirty. So it was no sugar, no dairy, no grains Oof. Um, Oof. for the last for the last month. Um, I started actually in February, so uh, tonight. Uh, I'm going to be with my in-laws, and we're having Italian, so I, I'm going to eat ravioli. That'll be, like, my first, like, really good thing uh, or gluttonous thing that I've eaten in a while. But, you know, I think, like, from uh, – also, I, I started going to the gym. I didn't go to the gym at all. Now I go, like, five, six times a week. I bike, like, 50 miles a week and then uh, lift and, and, and swim and stuff like that. So I ended up, like, from a, a fat standpoint, I dropped – about 30 pounds and gained a bunch of muscle. So we're, uh, we're in a good place heading into the year. Oh, I love it. I've quit all of those things, but just not all at once. Right. So I've quit every single thing you said, and, and it always sucks. I can only imagine how quitting all of them at the same time would be. 
So the MLS tomorrow night, let me ask you, what's your plan? Like, what, what are we going for here? We have one alcohol. Do we have, like, the snacks already lined up? What do you got going on? Uh, tomorrow, Sam Adams is sending me to the Atlantic City Beer Festival. Okay. Um, yeah. I can't. One of the good things about um, writing for Barstool is there's a lot of stoolies who work in PR um, and cover di- a bunch of different companies. So last week I came home from work with a package in my package room, and it was two bottles of Macallan, a bottle of Jaeger, two bottles of vodka, a bottle of gin, uh, a few other things, and just like with a note of, you know, for when you're back to drinking. Uh, Sam Adams sent, you know, sending me to this uh, beer festival. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of like the first thing. The, the main thing, though, is I'm trying to not dive totally back into it, like totally being gluttonous. <laughs> the first, um, like the first week was an absolute nightmare. Um, you know, I just want to eat something fun. Um, I having a hard time sleeping because I'm, I'm not high, but now that it's a month in, like, I don't mind just eating like chicken and broccoli and only enough till I'm full and not continuing to eat. So it's just going to be, uh, you know, seeing what I can do, you know, to, to try to, you know, I don't need to lose 30 pounds every month, but like if, you know, next month I could still lose 10, but not hate my life and actually see my friends because people stop inviting you out when you don't drink. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine. So it's a rough go of it, but we're glad to have you back on board. I went to a WWE house show at Madison Square Garden, totally sober. That's an experience. Yeah, that must be terrible. That's just like you're just judging people, and it's like, well, at least they're drunk, but I'm sober. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Hey, speaking of your Twitter feed, you've uh, you've been on fire we saw a tweet about the Phillies Wrong Twitter going to game. Love the Twitter game, but the Phillies, do you think they belong in AAA? Are you familiar with the Premier League by chance? Yeah, I, if we had relegation, they'd be really close to it. I went to college in Philly. So I went okay. to Drexel, and then I graduated in 2008, moved back to New York for like six, nine months. In that time, the Phillies won the World Series, so I didn't have to see it, experience it. Then I moved back to Philly, and the Yankees beat them in the World Series. But when I first got to Philly, it was 2004, and they were absolutely garbage. I think I went to 15, 20 games that year for free, never sat more than 10 rows from the field because people are just like, I was in a frat. Anyone want tickets? Anyone want tickets? Like, yes, I love baseball. I'll take them. Uh, When they first made the playoffs, uh, I, it was like 2006 or, or something like that. I remember they clinched a playoff berth, and we were in the living room at the frat house, and all the Phillies fans were like, so what happens now? Like, how do you get tickets? Like, how does this work? And it was just amazing that they didn't even know how, like, a playoff ticket system would work or, like, how the playoff schedule comes out. So I watched them go from really bad to really good to now really bad again, and they were never really a blip on my radar of life until I had to put up with, you know, being around Philadelphia sports fans for years. So funny you were there. I was there as well. I was an intern for the Sixers and Flyers for the fall of 2008. Probably the best three months of my life. I just jumped on the wagon so hard and just went out every single night, got hammered. 
and it was awesome. What did you intern doing? I was in their advertising sales department. Love it. Love it. The relegation system, the Phillies, you mentioned the Phillies, as they they could definitely be nominated for that. I'm a Midwest guy. I was born in Ohio. I'm a Reds fan. I, I have to tell you I'm fairly confident. No, I'm very confident they're going to be the worst team in baseball. If you look at their roster, there's about three names you might recognize, and you're a baseball guy. Could we just send them down? I mean, the Red, just get rid of them. What do you think? It's about amazing that? to me. Um, so, like, I was – it's very easy to talk shit being a Yankee fan. And I always found it interesting as I now, like, moved around outside of New York, people who I meet who are like, oh, I'm a Yankees fan too. But I'm like, you're from Philly or just outside Philly. How are you a Yankees fan? I'm like, oh, 96, I just, like, I loved them. And it's like, you can't just switch teams like that. It's not like switching the menthol light cigarettes. Um, you, you, you're, you're born one way or another. And I grew up in the Bronx. So like, I'm very lucky. I grew up a Yankees fan and a Giants fan. I don't really care that much about basketball or, and don't care at all about hockey. So I've been very lucky with that, but I don't get how people like you who are just like, yeah, so I'm a Reds fan. This is what I was born into. And they're doing literally nothing to try to get better. Like they did at one point in your life, they went after, you know, and they got Ken Griffey. But besides that, they really just like, haven't even tried. No, they got Griffey way too late when they got him. And now I don't know how you can have a major league team be so bad. Well, your minor league system is also so bad. Like the Cubs, their minor league system developed. It was really good under Theo. The Reds, Jockety. It, I got a conspiracy theory. I swear he's just he's just screwing us because he used to be with the Cardinals. It's it's a pain. It makes baseball not fun for me. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's you know probably I would imagine tough for the city, tough for the fans. Like, why do you even go out? Baseball is such a a good time. You can get you can get people who don't know anything about the sport to go, and you're outside. You're in the sun. It's a nice day. There's people. There's energy, but. When your team is just so perpetually bad that even like a casual person can't go and say, well, oh, yeah, well, there's at least an atmosphere here. There's some kind of excitement. Like even the people who want to be here actually want to be here versus the people. If you're a Reds fan and you go to a Reds game now, it's just like, fuck, I'm at this Reds game again. It's it's like a junkie. Well said. <laughs> Very well said. Let's talk a little bit about the Yankees. Got some questions for you. It's your squad. Um, we saw that Aaron Judge is going to be the starting right fielder. How are we feeling about that? Um, it, it's what we needed to do because it, we're either going to find out. The, the big question with him is can he cut down his strikeouts? He struck out 22% of his at-bats in spring training. He struck out 50% of his at-bats last year at the major league level. So if he can keep that down, he's one of those guys where he's going to swing and miss, but when he hits it, he hits it hard. He's an impact player. He's going to, you know – Smack a lot of doubles. He's going to crush a lot of home runs, especially with the, you know, a short porch out in right field. He can get a lot of balls opposite field. That would be fly balls a lot of places out of the park. And we just need to see what we have with them. The Yankees as a whole are, are building another dynasty. They're looking to recreate what they did in the 90s with guys like Judge, Saravino, Gary Sanchez, Clint Frazier. Hopefully Tanaka, um, you know, is, is still around. 
And then we've got, you know, Greg Bird in the mix. And we've got a bunch of guys that will come up over the next few years. So really this year and next year are all about two things. One is cutting payroll. We're still paying A-Rod $21 million. We're paying CC about uh, like $25 million this year. So we get those two off the payroll this year. We probably don't go out and spend a ton in the next offseason either. And then we can keep things under the luxury tax limit. So then a year later, when now you've got a free agent class that includes Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Clayton Kershaw, and, you know, a few other guys. You've now had two years where you've seen, can Aaron Judge cut down on the strikeouts? Is he an impact player? Or is he, you know, another tall guy who couldn't hit? Is he Richie Sexton or is he a nobody? And, you know, can, can he contribute to another championship run? And then you go out and you replace all the pieces that aren't working out. So, you know, we'll have Chase Headley gone by there. You know, we'll have, you know, probably Torres will be up by then. So it, it'll be really interesting over the next few years. But um, this team's young and dumb. So they could go out there and win more games than we're expecting. And if there are a few games over 500, they're in contention for a playoff spot when it gets to spring training. I mean, when it gets to a trade deadline, uh, I could see Cashman and Steinbrenner packaging up a few of these prospects. We have – you know, probably 12 really good prospects. And if you say Clint Frazier and Torres are untouchable, uh, but you can package up, you know, three or four other guys because they're not all going to make it to the majors. They're not all going to make it to the majors for the Yankees. You know, let's trade them away and, and figure out what those missing pieces are to, to get us, you know, into the playoffs this year. Okay, so the Yanks are building for the future, but like you said, they still have a lot to look forward to this year. The the Vegas odds have fluctuated around a little bit. Uh, the most recent that we've seen, they have them at 85 uh, wins, and obviously that's fluctuating a little bit depending where you look. 85, you see that as a number over or under for the Yankees win total? I see. So I just broke it down on our uh, podcast for – uh, Barstool, where uh, what we had seen was them projected as an 81 and 81 team, you know, which is 2,500 ball. And I think if the team that they have right now plays the way it should, they're under 85. They're probably an 81, anywhere between 78 and like 82 win team. But if we get to, you know, June and they're playing at a level that is 85, 87 win team, I think we're going to go out and make and be buyers to get us to really secure being an 88-90 win team. So the team that we have today may be the team that we finish with, and if that's the case, we're probably only winning like, you know, 80 games or, you know, we're definitely under 85. But if that team starts to overperform, people are going to get traded. We're going to bring in new guys, and we're going to win 87-88 games. I want to ask, as a Yankees fan, I believe you have to sign a contract that you have to hate the Red Sox. Um, that's just part of the deal. I want to know your least favorite Red Sox player of all time and why. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Because he's a fucking scumbag. David Ortiz is a king hypocrite scumbag. King you you hypocrite came in so hard with that one. Of all time. Of all time, the game's better without him. Listen, the odds are 
that. You, you've got all these players who took steroids. I have no problem with steroids. I think you, whatever you want to put in your body, you're a grown man, put it in your body. I'm fine with A-Rod doing it. I'm fine with Andy Pettit doing it, Roger Clemens. I'm fine with Rafael Palmero, anyone who ever got caught, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, even Brady Anderson when he hit those 50 home runs, but everyone in Baltimore is just shoving crab in their face thinking it's all because of his sideburn power. No. David Ortiz, the odds that a, a player – who had such a shitty minor league career and beginning to his major league career, then as he gets into his mid to late 20s, all of a sudden can start hitting, you know, can hit over 500 home runs, is so small. Now factor in that he's Dominican. And it may sound racist, but a good amount of the players who are getting popped for these steroids are Dominican. So all of his friends are all doing this, and he's seeing better success than they are, but he's not. Get the fuck out of here with that. So I have no problem with him doing it. But when a guy like A-Rod gets caught, David Ortiz could just say, oh, you know, it stinks bad for the game and just deflect like everyone else should have done. But instead he comes out like, oh, we should hit him, disgrace to the game. And that's hypocrite bullshit from that scumbag. I I love your passion. I just want to say I, I actually – Thought you might have to think about it for a second, and you did not, sir. And for that, I commend you. You were ready to go on the on along those same lines. Everybody's talking about the Red Sox. Uh, what's your dream scenario for a reason why the Red Sox could suck this year? Oh, I mean the the best case scenario is first of all, I don't care what the Red Sox are trying to sell the media. David Price has a tear in his elbow. I have it from an MLB agent that David Price has a tear in his elbow. I've been asked not to talk about it too much. Carabas over at Barcelona's like, come on, dude, they haven't said it. You can't go out on a limb like that. It's, he's got a tear in his elbow. He's had a tear in his elbow. It's gotten worse. If he was in his 20s, he'd already be shut down and having surgery. They're trying to pitch through it. I think David or Price, David Price misses the season. I can't wait. I hope it takes – Till May before he has surgery, so he misses most of 2018, too. I hope then at that point, he doesn't have a good enough season to even think about opting out of his contract, and they got to pay him all that fucking money that was so stupid to overpay him. Also, Pablo Sandoval had a really good spring. I hope something happens where he ends up being a terrible contract for them. And Hanley Ramirez, too. I want to see the, the Red Sox get stuck in the exact same situation that the Yankees have been stuck in with CC Sabathia and A-Rod. I want to see that they overpaid for these guys, and at the end of the day, they weren't able to deliver, weren't able to stay healthy, but they just wanted to beat anyone else in the market because we got tricked into it a billion times. And I think in a lot of these bidding wars, you know, uh, agents use the Yankees and say the Red Sox, well, the Yankees are offering this, and the Red Sox just bid because they wanted to win again. And that's the best-case scenario. Not only do they lose, but – they end up losing with these terrible contracts because the Dodgers bailed them out, bailed them yeah, out of the last time. You should just get uh, Pablo on your weed diet, and you'd be all set. Right? He's that's skinny cool. now, isn't he? He's he's looking. That's what I mean. For him, maybe. Yeah, you either got to get him. Came, on I mean, to uh, start sending him some food because I don't think if he sees it, he can he can hold off. Somebody's doing it right by keeping him out of the kitchen. 
If you give me $17 million a year and then also tell me for a year I don't really have to do anything besides lose some weight, I could show up at camp looking great too. Yeah, I'll sign up for that as well. I want to circle back. I want to ask you, um, as a Yankees fan, I'm always interested in this, your perspective on A-Rod because obviously, you know, he's not playing anymore. You owe him $20 million. The contract was a bust. Um, Plus, I mean, the guy, he's getting paid $20 million. He's putting out creepy face shots on his Twitter. Very bizarre. And the dude's dating J-Lo. He's, I mean, come on. Come on, bro. Like, give us something. How long is it going to take the Yankees to truly recover from that contract, and what can they learn from it? Um, It's going to take till the end of the season when we don't have to pay him anymore. Um, I think A-Rod is uh, the, as of right now, because Mike Trout's career is not done, A-Rod's the the greatest player of our generation. Um, I don't care what he put in his body. I'm not mad at him, Yankee fan, for getting the contract he got by putting stuff in his body. The man put poison in his body to win me the 2009 World Series, and I can never thank him enough for that. He risked his life for me is the way I look at it. Uh, Yankee fans like to get upset, like, oh, he took our money. That's not our money. That's the Steinbrenner's money. They got more of it. We didn't stop spending because of that contract. He came back. He had a great 2015 season, hit 33 home runs. Um, I think it was like the only person in the media who said this is what he's going to do. Last year, he had limited at bats, still hit eight home runs. He was striking out a lot, grinding into a lot of double plays, so it makes sense. Um, If the Yankees didn't have this group of guys, in, you know, triple A last year, and we weren't going out and winning a championship, there wouldn't have been, you know, they wouldn't have cut him. He'd still be on the team now. But because we have such a bright future, they had to go and cut him. J-Lo thing is such a smart move, like, seven years ago. <laughs> when everyone was dating A-Rod, and he's batting, like, sixth in the playoffs, if he was doing that with dating J-Lo – the princess of the Bronx, no one would have cared. He's wearing sweatpants with Tim's now. He's really just like embracing like the Bronx culture a little too late. But I think now once we're out of this contract after this year, um, you know, then it's, you know, it's gone. I hope he's still involved with the organization because as we've seen on Fox, you know, he's a great baseball mind. He loves baseball. He's been, you know, he scouted Manny Machado, Years ago, uh, he has a close relationship with Manny Machado. Manny Machado looks up to A-Rod. A-Rod's his hero. And with him coming into free agency in a few years, it, A-Rod could be a benefit to us. So hopefully they you know, keep some kind of relationship with him. I've heard some rumors about him having some other business interests coming up um, that I can't really go into. So it will be interesting to see what happens with, um, with those things and, and how his now broadcast or, you know, possible coaching career is impacted, but, you know, A-Rod was 18. He was the number one overall pick. He's the first guy to tackle Griffey in 95 when they beat us because he's playing at the major league level already. You're going to end up being a weirdo, and he's just a rich weirdo who took steroids because, you know, none of us could imagine the pressures he was under. But David Ortiz is from (laughs) that. I like how you brought that back in. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, before we let you go, one of our favorite podcasts that you do 
is uh, no quitters and we're big challenge guys. So we had a couple of questions for you about this season. Um, what are your thoughts of the new CT? We kind of liked the old CT. I don't like the new CT. So uh, I, I say this on the show all the time. Um, so I grew up in the Bronx on an island that's a mile and a half by a half mile. So as a kid, we couldn't even get cable. Like cable wasn't an option. You couldn't get it. There was no way to get it. Satellite dishes weren't, you know, available yet. So I didn't really grow up with MTV watching the real world. Um, I watched it in college. I watched some of the real world, and I, I caught a challenger or two, like, here and there. Um, and I wasn't watching for years. And then uh, it was maybe, like, three years ago or, or so, I, Bill Simmons had a podcast, and he was with Jacoby, and he's talking and saying, you know, if you're – in your late 20s, and you used to watch the real world and think, I could be on that, watch it now because it's still the same show, but you're a different person, so you're just watching it. It's like a different point of view, so I did. I was like, oh, yeah, these people are fucking stupid. This is amazing. And then, you know, the, the challenge thing started. Barcelona had the idea to do this, you know, challenge podcast, and uh, just kind of as a comedian, they were like, hey, can you – you know, do this. We've got, you know, guys who are really into the show and know the history. Um, can you come in and just like rip on people? And I said, yeah, no problem. So I've done like some of the background. I know everyone knows who CT is. Um, I like old CT, like this CT is calm. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of staying out of the mix. Uh, the way the format's been with the eliminations where, you know, only one, you know, one side can be eliminated at a time. We haven't had to really see too much out of CT. So, you know, he's going to be one of the last two guys on the champion side. And he's really only had to compete like three times. Um, so, you know, it's almost like a, a system of buys. But I, I really, I need someone to just be like, you know what? Your baby's got a fucking mush face. And just so he like goes crazy. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, there's always... There's always more value when he's he's uh, the angry one breaking bodies, and it's just good television. It's good entertainment for us. Your last No Quitters podcast, um, and if our listeners aren't listening to that, they need to be because it, it's great. You had Shane on, and he, he was talking about uh, the previous challenge, how they actually pay these locals or – uh, just people around like fifteen twenty bucks, I believe he said to actually uh, test run the machines and everything they're doing the challenges on, and it sounded like a lady or a guy actually broke their arm while they were running yeah. through it, and then last minute they had to take them back and redo everything. Um, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because I didn't catch the whole story, and then if you just have like a favorite or crazy story that any of the guests have told you that you could share with our listeners, that would be awesome. So my biggest regret from that show is that I'm a, I'm a wrestling guy and I didn't ask any questions about the Miz because Shane was on seasons with the Miz. Um, and that's bothered me since we recorded on Tuesday. Um, so what, what Shane had explained is like the, the apparatus that we saw that tilted like back and forth uh, was something different and like more, um, like more difficult. Uh, I forget like kind of how he, he explained it, but like they had, they pulled up, saw this thing and then they were like, Oh no, actually we're going back to, uh, we got to take you back somewhere, you know, to holding. 
And then when they came back hours later, it was a totally different setup. And what they had done is they hire locals a lot of times to test out the thing because someone's got to do it. And these guys will sign shit away for, you know, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is. And some woman was on it and fell and broke her arm. So they were like, all right, well, we can't have that because we don't want, you know, cast members to get injured. Uh, I forget when it was, maybe like two seasons ago, there was a, um, a challenge where I forget which way it ended up airing, but like they had the contestants stick their heads in a box and it was like covered in like, co- it was full of like cockroaches or something like that or snakes. Maybe it was snakes. And so they had to sit there with like snakes all around their, you know, all around their heads and like, how long can you stay in there? And it's like, yeah, snakes or bugs, something like that. Um, so they're getting ready to do it. And like some guy who was like on the set, but like, wasn't the animal like handler was just like, uh, what are you guys doing with these boxes of spiders? And they're like, oh, they're going to, like, put their heads in. They're like, yo, those are poisonous spiders. They're going to kill them. Like, the cast is going to die. So they had to switch it out, get rid of all these spiders, and, like, bring in the snakes. But apparently they were – TJ told us this. They were, like, minutes away from having the cast stick their heads in boxes of poisonous spiders. <laughs> that would be the ultimate bad beat there as a cast member. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, man. So what's your prediction for who's going to win it this year? What's your prediction on how this one ends this season? This is is a tough one. Um, It's been interesting because uh, I do the show with two other guys, the guy Connor and the guy Clem. Connor knows who wins um, because we've become friends with the cast. We, um, you know, when when guys from town, like when Bananas is in town, you know, he invites us out and, and stuff like that. So he wanted to know. Me and Clem were like, listen, we'll call it straight so we, you know, we, we don't need to know. We'll just kind of watch it as it happens. And I think that, like, Darrell just has a look in his eye of just, like, I'm very calm, but when I need to be competitive, I can dial it up a notch. So I think he – I think it's going to be a champion who wins. I think it's – or I think it's going to come down to teams. And I think champions are going to win because I just don't see a real threat on the challenger uh, side or underdog side. If, it was, if it's a guy from the underdogs, I think only Hunter could possibly do it just because, like, he's uh, a great athlete. Um, but I could see it being something like a, um, uh, you know, a, a CT and, like, Laurel winning it. Absolutely. We're excited to see how it finishes. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciated it. Again, check him out at Barstool JJ. Uh, He's going to have some new projects coming out fairly soon, it sounds like, and definitely excited to see what you come up with and appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, I I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, It was a good time. All right, well, this was another great episode. We thank Barstool JJ for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, For those of you new listeners, we'd love to have you subscribe to our podcast. We appreciate you listening. I would appreciate a review as well. And for now, it's closing time. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time. Turn all of the 
Stay.